You are listening to the 3ND Pod. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find the podcast on Twitter at 3ND Pod. We are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Network of Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at, G- at SBN Grizzlies. You can find us online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out uh, our other podcasts, The Starting Five, The Core Four, and GBB Live. And make sure you check out our episode from last week. We had none other than Mr. Rob Fisher on with us, and it was one of our best episodes that we've had. So be sure you go and uh, subscribe and, and check that one out. Joining me again is uh, my good pal, Mr. Ben Hogan. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm getting ready for a, a late night tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we're not recording <laughs> after the game tonight. I got to do the report card, so I'll oh, be up. Well, you're the dummy that <laughs> signed up for it. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize it until after. Uh, I went and checked. I'm like, yep, all right, got that one tonight. Cool. Yeah, so yesterday I did the Twitter for the game, and when I signed up for it, I didn't realize it was a 1 o'clock tip, and then Parker put that reminder in the Slack, uh, <laughs> 1 o'clock tip. I was like, oh, crap. Well, I mean, I totally whiffed on the entire injury report for the Thunder. Hey, man, so, it happens. Yeah. I mean, they were on the same game of back-to-back. They didn't put out anything. I just went by what it was the day before, honestly. And I tried to find some intel. Right. And they were saying, yeah, I mean, good injury news for uh, for SGA. But they said he wasn't going to play. They probably weren't going to play Sunday. So, That's what I saw. doubtful. I'm I'm 0 for 3 running Twitter, so I might have to uh, <laughs> not sign <laughs> up for that anymore this year. Oh, well, my man. prediction for the game yesterday, I predicted the Grizzlies to win by about, I think, 15, 15 or 20. Well, they should have. Yeah, they should have. Let's Let's talk about it. Yeah, I don't know what happened yesterday. It, it felt like it was going to be a runaway. It seemed like the Grizzlies were just on – the cusp of pulling away from Oklahoma city and, you know, they let, let them hang around. And as they always say, you know, you get a young team, get them a little confidence and hang around. And then all of a sudden they pull away from you. And that's what happened with Oklahoma city. And there's no reason that's a bad loss That is a very bad loss. Yeah. That, that's, that's the worst loss of the season. You lost to, to one bona fide NBA stud in SGA and a bunch of G leaguers. Like there was no Lou Dort. There was no Al Horford. Like, there, it, it really doesn't. What it reminds me of, we're a 3A school, the team that I coach, and we scheduled some 1A schools um, this year. And I guess the kids just assumed that because they were 1A, we could walk in there, run right through them, and get out of there. Um, and there were a couple games to 1A schools this year that we dropped because we, we toyed with them, we let them hang around, we gave them some confidence. And because they got that confidence, they took it and ran with it. Um, and at the end of the game, we couldn't we couldn't pull back, and we lost. And that kind of reminded me of that like they looked at that team across from them, like, "Oh, we got this easy. We'll be done by the fourth quarter. We'll get some rest. We know we'll get some Tilly minutes." And they just kept giving them confidence. It it is baffling what happened last night. Yeah, I mean, we see this in the NBA every once in a while. You know, when what a bad team beats a good team or whatever. But it just felt like the Grizzlies were turning the corner. They had two two wins over Washington, who was they were, they were playing pretty good basketball, and then they had one point losses to Milwaukee and Denver. I know the All Star break was in the middle there, but basically the results were the same. You beat the Wizards, and then you lose by one to teams that are contending, are potential 
contenders for the title. I mean, I don't think Denver's better than the Lakers or Clippers by any means, but still they can give them a run for their money. And they have an MVP candidate. Both teams have an MVP candidate. In fact, one has a two-time MVP, reigning MVP. So I thought the Grizzlies returned a corner, and it just kind of felt like they took a big step back yesterday against the Thunder. Yeah, and I, I don't like Taylor Jenkins' postgame. It's almost like it was nothing. I've got to see some emotion out of this guy. Like, you should be pissed that you lost that game. Unless you have some understanding from the front office that there's something going on with this season and we're not actually trying to win as many games as possible, which that's a totally different subject that we're not going to get into. It just – it doesn't make sense that he's – I don't think he's okay with the loss. I don't think any coach is ever okay with a loss. But, like, be pissed. Show the fans, show the media that, like, this one shouldn't have happened. Um, and and don't, don't make excuses for it. Right. And, you know, we don't, we don't really, I, I think it's just who Taylor Jenkins is. I mean, we rarely see him fired up on the sidelines. Like he doesn't even uh, challenge plays that very that much. I, 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 don't know, I don't know. He's very passive, very passive person, but you need to see a little bit more from him, if you ask me. I, I just, that is a bad loss. And, it kind of felt like Oklahoma City was the team, not the players, but the fran- the actual franchise that were saying, all right, we'll chalk this up as a lost Sunday. You know, it's a Sunday afternoon game. We'll sit most of our guys. We'll throw a few of the G-leaguers out there and see what happens. And they come away with a win. And, you know, that's that hurts the Grizzlies' playoff possibilities, and that also hurts the Thunder's tanking possibilities. So for franchises, you would think, it's the worst possible outcome for both. Yeah, and the Thunder made it obvious from the beginning of the year based on the moves they made in the offseason, hey, we're not planning to win this year. Like, right. they are very obviously in tank mode with all the picks that they got. They've got a stud to build, build around an SGA, and, and he proved it last night that he was a stud. Um, earlier, you know, early in the game, he couldn't get it going. DB did a good job of, put, of holding him in check, um, but he got his teammates involved. Um, and then this freaking praying mantis, Poku Chesky or whatever his name is, the dude from Serbia, was yeah. tearing Kyle Anderson apart, man. Like, what was yeah. that? I don't know. What, what they say? He came into the game like 28% from three or something like that. and He's been awful all year long. And he just – he was feeling it yesterday. And I don't know. That was just – that's one of those games. Also, we talked about it before the show. I mean, what, 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 what's up with Jonas? Like, he should have gotten more touches. He had the matchup. Yeah, so Sean Coleman said before the game and before he got suspended – or after he got suspended from Twitter yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, man, he's just uh, riling up folks on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was in Memphis. He said that Valanciunas needed 20 touches. And – you know, my response was, in my mind, that was the greatest tweet that Sean ever had because he was right. One of the few times that he's right about something in basketball. Um, <laughs> the matchup was there, man. Even if it was Al Horford, the matchup would have been there. There was nobody on that team that could hold him in check. And he had 16 points, but he only got 10 touches. 
And I don't see a, a scenario in Grizzlies basketball where him getting less than 12 to 15 shots up leads to a win. I mean, there's, there's a few anomalies out there where they did win this year when he got limited touches. But in those games, like, somebody else went off. But I'm looking at a right. lot of losses where he's under that, that number. And let's see, if you make the number 12, all right, we won that one when he got 12 touches. We won that one when he got 12 touches. That one, that one, that one. Um, we won that one. I mean, I'm looking at probably a 750 record when Jonas gets 12 touches. So you win three out of every four games when he does that. I, Moses Brown was a dude that he could just put under the rim anytime he wanted to and get any shot that he wanted. And then he doesn't close the game out when you're down and you're trying to come back. I understand that Tillman probably gives you an upgrade on defense um, or Brandon Clark gives you an upgrade on defense because he's switchable. But at that point, you had to get offense, and Valentinus is one of your more efficient offensive players. Give him the ball. He was shooting 60%. It wasn't like he was in foul trouble. It wasn't like he was just off. It, Taylor Jenkins just does some stuff sometimes that's really, really head-scratching, and I don't think that, he, that the media really holds him accountable enough for it. I think it's just because they feel like where the Grizzlies are right now, they are still ahead of schedule. But this is one of those games where you kind of are like, okay, you can't have a lot of these. Like, this was a very – I'm going to just keep saying it. This is a very, very bad loss. And Jonas is two games removed from his 2020, his 29 and 20 performance against against Washington. And he, it, it feels like – if you get him the ball and you want to ride Jonas, he will let you. He will carry you if you need him to. And it just seems like Sunday, like yesterday, it, they weren't willing to do that. And it was when he had the matchup. I just – I don't get it. No, because, like, as a coach, you go back to the last time you played OKC, watch the film, what did we do that was successful – Jonas had uh, – he went 9 for 12. He had 22 points and 12 rebounds. Like, it was clear that he was somebody you could go to against his team and and get shots. And it's not like they were taking away anything, really. We just got cold uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter, which was unreal when you're scoring 30 points a quarter, then all of a sudden in the fourth you can't find the bucket and then they couldn't miss. It didn't matter what they threw up, who was the one that threw it up. Everything was going in for them. I said it on the GBB account. We cannot afford to start hemorrhaging threes, and that's exactly what happened. They were – I mean, Poku was left open, wide open several times, and he he's one of the players that had been hot. Like, how do you lose a guy that's been tearing you up all game? It, I don't – That's been a weakness all season for the Grizzlies is guarding the perimeter. It's been a weakness all franchise history. Yeah, that's true. Well, used to, I mean – they don't do it as much anymore, but it was always a big problem of uh, giving up four-point plays because they're always trying to recover, and they foul the guy. You know, they do that a lot, especially, I mean, in the grit and grind days, you know, the games are always close going down the stretch, and then all of a sudden, you know, Grizzlies are up five. They give up a three, and they foul the guy. So, all this, it's a one-point game. I mean, that happened more times than I'd like to remember because it, we would just sit there during the during the game and be like, what are they doing? They did it again. I can't believe. Don't foul the three-point shooter. You are late on your assignment. You lost a guy. 
Just let them make the three. Give them, give them the clean shot, you know, because it happened too many times. And, yeah, but that, that's been a problem. But, you know, we're talking about the last time these two teams played. If you go back and look, when the uh, Thunder got the, got the lead, they went to Jonas. The Grizzlies went to Jonas. They, the Thunder only got a one-point lead. But they went, the Grizzlies immediately went to Jonas. He made, it, he made a shot. And then McDermott hit a three, and then they went back to Jonas. Actually, Jonas got a, a tip in, but then he made a he made a made a shot, and then he got the ball again on the next play, got fouled, went to the free throw line. It feels like they it looks like they went to Jonas in the first time these two teams played. When the Thunder got up, they just worked it down low. I don't understand why they didn't do that again yesterday. I feel like we should be assistant coaches on the staff just so we can. <laughs> hey, give it to Jonas. I mean, yeah. somebody. I mean, well, we've we've already gone to bat on how underrated Jonas is, but it just feels like sometimes the, those inside the Grizzlies organization don't even realize what they got on their team or in the coaching staff, at least. Like, you got a big dude that can dominate down low. You have the matchup. You have a they're they're starting big man's in foul trouble. Why? Why you don't want to try and make it a three? Plus, you burn clock. You work it inside a little bit. You work the ball around. You don't necessarily have to go immediately. You know, you're not jacking a shot four seconds into the shot clock. Uh, that doesn't make sense. You know, we, we talk about – everybody really talks about his uh, experimental starting fourth quarter lineups and how, you know, then we praise him at times for riding the hot hands in his closing lineups in the games. But the rotations last night were odd. So, let's talk about those rotations. Grayson Allen was noticeably absent, and he's been back for two games now. Are we looking at a scenario where Taylor Jenkins becomes the first coach in basketball history to let a guy lose his job because he got hurt? I mean, he did it in, what, three games? How many games did Grayson miss? Three, four? Uh, I want to say he might have missed five. But still, I mean, it's – this is a guy that we felt like he was getting just, like, charity minutes from Taylor Jenkins at times because like why is this guy in and then he was playing well and they're like okay well he's earned his minutes now so he was inactive well, for, he was inactive for four games and now he's got two straight uh DNPs so I don't know if maybe he just is still a little foggy from his concussion and no Jenkins is just letting him no it's, it's because Melton, it's because you can't take Milton out Right. I mean, I, I understand that, but it's just still – you go to a guy that we felt like was just kind of Taylor Jenkins' pet, you know, or he, we, there were always questions on, like, why is he getting so many minutes? Why is D'Anthony Melton losing minutes to Grayson Allen? Is Who's going to lose minutes once Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back? Well, it seems like it's already going to be uh, Grayson Allen. and. Uh, you know, Dylan Brooks isn't losing minutes anytime soon. Well, let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> so, what's a comfortable minute range for you for Dylan Brooks? Um, depends on the matchup. Um, I would say twenty-five to thirty minutes. Okay, for me, twenty-five is a max. Okay, he played thirty-one minutes last night. Okay. You want to know what the Grizzlies' record is 
when he plays over 30 minutes this year? There's 11 games he's played over 30 minutes. Three and eight. Dude, you nailed it. I mean, it, I knew it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> Three and eight. Okay, and in those games that he uh, plays 30 minutes, he has shot 39 percent, 40%, 35%, 46%, and 39%, 40%, 47%, 35%, and 50%. So that tells me – and here's the thing, like I – I get the fact that he wears himself out guarding the other team's best player. Like, I understand that. And that's what we need him to do. We need him to get under the skin of a Devin Booker or a Jamal Murray or whoever the other team's best perimeter scorer is. We need Dylan to go out there and just piss him off um, and make sure he pisses him off in a bad way, not in a way that motivates them to just kill him. Um <laughs> And he's, and I think here recently, the last two weeks, there's been a better job defensively by Dylan than there has been all season. I think his agitator status, I think his um, ability to to hold their star below his average has been has been more noticeable and better. So here's what I'm suggesting for Dylan Brooks and for me to even be able to tolerate Dylan Brooks is to continue to do that. But don't jack up 18 and 20 shots because it's obvious that you have dead legs and you're not able to knock down the shots that you need to they that need to be knocked down in those moments. We're three and eight when he plays that many those that many minutes. So that should tell you maybe we shouldn't play him that many minutes. So there's a stretch um, between February first and January thirteenth where he never played over 30 minutes. The Grizzlies were undefeated in that stretch. Undefeated. Also, it takes into uh, account, uh, I think he's also playing more in the losses is because they're losing and they feel like they need Dylan out there to catch up. because They need nuclear Dylan. Yeah. So, another – Anthony Walton, the way he's been shooting lately, that could – I don't know. You said he played, what, 31 minutes yesterday? 31 yesterday, 33 against Denver, 34 against Milwaukee. 18 shots, 20 shots, and 20 shots. LLL. The magic number for me is 25 minutes and 15 shots are both maxes. In that stretch that they were undefeated where he played, he played 27 minutes almost every single one of those games, like exactly 27 minutes, and he never took more than 15 shots ever. His percentages were still god-awful. I mean, I'm looking at 40, 27, 30, and 10. 10% in that Phoenix game that we won. 46 and then 33%. But he never that, – those were those, that stretch of basketball where I was so happy with the shot distribution because I think that's what has to happen with this team. You can't have somebody that's not Jaw or Jonas taking 20 shots. You've right. got to – you've got – this team is at its best when you've got, like, seven guys taking 10-plus shots. And I, I know I harp on Dylan, but you and I talked about this before we started this. 
how long do we have to sit here and say, well, the eye test, or, well, he really hustles or he plays his ass off every game or um, his defense is just so good. Like, when, how long is that going to be an excuse? Like, the numbers flat out say he is at the bottom of the league as a basketball player, period. And people are saying that, you know, I'm ignorant or I'm incapable of understanding basketball and all the little nuances that go with it. But the reality is, why are you so triggered or so set to defend a below average basketball player that you agree should not be starting on a contending team? It doesn't make sense to me. And I think the numbers there show that he should be treated more like a a Tony Allen Uh, defense. Uh, he's a better shooter than Tony Allen. He's better on offense than Tony Allen. Oh, but for sure. If you're going to rely on him for his defense and his hustle, and if that's what you're going to use to come to his defense all the time, then why don't you call a spade a spade? I mean, he's a more offensive Tony Allen. I like Tony Allen. I like Dylan Brooks. I'll defend Dylan Brooks, but I'm not going to say that he needs to be shooting 15 to 20 shots a game. And there are those games in which he is going to catch fire, and he's going to be awesome. And you know, it's going to be thrown back in your face uh, because people are still waiting on it. I'm sure people, I'm sure, I'm sure people have tweets in their drafts at with you added in them, just for the game that Dylan goes off for 30 or 35 points on, you know, 14 of 23 from the field and whatever like that. There, it's going to happen. That would never happen with Tony Allen. But at the end of the day, he's closer to Tony Allen than he is Steph Curry. So. <laughs> What, what was funny was I checked in on the Grizzlies' main account yesterday, and some dude tweeted back and goes, bruh, it's the Dylan Brooks hater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, I'll tell you who – a role that he really needs to embrace on this team, and that's the Marcus Smart role. Like, Marcus gets his 10 shots a game. He doesn't shoot all that great, but he plays so hard on defense that he still pulls 30 minutes a game but he's shooting 10 shots a game. So let's, let's just do averages. I'm a math guy. I'm a math teacher. 25 minutes, 15 shots. We take you up to 30 yeah. minutes. I need that number to come down to 10 shots. You're out there for your defense. I don't need you so taking more shots because you're out there for more minutes. That's not, that's not how averages work. If he's shooting 15 for 25, that's, uh, he needs to take 18 for 30 minutes. No. We're not – no, we need, not, to, go, we need to go down the longer we, he's on the floor. next to each other, you know. That's, all that works, right? No, you know, Marcus Smart shooting 33% from three, 40% from the field, like, that's not great either. But we know what Marcus is out there for. Marcus knows yeah. what he's out there for. Um, some secondary playmaking and incredible defense. And Dylan just needs to embrace the role and the fact that he's not an incredible offensive player. He – Marcus Smart has his nights where he can go off for 30 because he's feeling it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was against the Grizzlies one time. He just went off. It might have yeah. been – was it in the bubble? Uh, that seems familiar. I know that there's been games and it, it seems like he does it more when Tatum or Brown are out, but he can go off. And I think he may have gone off against the Grizzlies. All right. You ready for this? He shot, yeah. eight, he shot eight shots one game. We won. He shot seven, we won. He shot 12, we won. He shot 11, we won. He shot 10, we won. Do you, do you see the pattern? Like, yeah. I just don't see how people – and I think I'm starting to see more, more people 
recognize, okay, yes, he's inefficient offensively. But then they go with the but he he's really good at, at, at stopping the other team's best player. Well, I've also seen Dylan Brooks be a, a, an open gate that just lets the best player drive right by him and go to the rim as well. Like he's – I think he's more – he's better at being – I'll put it this way. Defensively, he's great at denying off ball. So, like, if Devin Booker doesn't have the ball tonight, he's going to do an incredible job working Devin Booker and making him work to get open. Number two, if they do have the ball, I think he's a really good – does a really good job of being physical with that player and, and taking some energy out of them and beating them down, just like Zach Randolph in the old days. You, you wear him down, wear him down, wear him down, wear him down. Okay. But on ball, defensively, he's not good. People dribble right by him all the time. He does not fight over screens well at all. I just I just need to get over this Dylan Brooks hate and just forget that he even exists is what I need to do. It's, stressing it's not going to happen. You, you already got a label. You're the Dylan Brooks hater. So everybody's ready for you. I mean, at, least I, have, at least I have a niche, right? Yeah, and everybody's going to go silent when he doesn't have a good game, and everybody's going to blow you up when he does have a good game. And guess what? When he has a, a good game, I come on this podcast. I'll give him his credit. If I'm writing an article, I give him his credit. On Twitter, I'll even give him his credit. But you know what people don't do that are on Dylan Brooks Island? When he sucks, they hide. Well, I mean, that's how that's how Twitter is. I mean, it's, you know, you want to you want to be the, you know, you want to – every time somebody does good, if you're a fan of them, you want to be like, yeah, you know. You want to let everybody know that your guy went off. If he doesn't go off, if he's terrible, just ignore it. I didn't watch the game. I don't know what you're talking about. You know? It's, it's got to be exhausting to wait every two or three weeks for the guy that you root for to do something good. <laughs> I mean, all right, let's move on. That Shams Charnia came out with an article today uh, about trade the, the trade deadline or whatever, and, and Gorgie Jang was mentioned as a, uh, I guess, a hot commodity for the Grizzlies. People are interested in him. Um, he is a very good basketball player. He, I think he does have a lot of value. Um, what's scary is having to take back a contract to match it. Um, you don't want to – I mean, obviously, you're not signing much of anything this year, so you could take on one more year of a contract. Um, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You'd have another expiring for the next season. Um, we, you know, free agency dried up with all the extensions anyways. So what I see has to happen is somebody's got to be packaged out with Gorgie. Um, and I think it has to be a wing packaged out with Gorgie to bring in either a third point guard or um, another power forward type. Um, it can't because if you only get rid of one wing with Gorgie, you're still creating a log jam if you bring back another wing. Um, unless you're bringing in some project like Josh Jackson was, um, that you get in some minutes um, in the games that are either you pulled away or the other team's pulled away, like a, a Frank Nedekina uh, from New York. I just butchered that. Um, Kevin Knox, I think, is a team, is a, is a guy that they've given up on in New York. Um, Something like that. Troy Brown Jr. in Washington is somebody that's always kind of intrigued me. Um, so, if we had to pick right now, which wing player is going to get packaged with Gorgie Jane? Uh, Grayson Allen. 
I mean, that's an easy one to say just because he's fallen out of the rotation. But, I mean, I don't see how you could do it with DeAnthony. Again, we discussed Dylan Brooks. I mean, maybe Dylan – dare I say that Dylan may be too valuable just because of his defense? Like, if you are going to make the playoffs, you need that defensive stopper. And but I think – do you not believe that DeAnthony, Justice, and Kyle can be those stoppers themselves? It's possible. Is is DeAnthony the most untreadable wing that we have? Yeah, his contract and his performance, I believe so, yes. Okay, but then you could argue – I can't remember what podcast I listened to where they talked about it. It might have been the mismatch or the uh, Ringer NBA podcast where Kevin O'Connor was talking about um, the, some of the money that was signed this offseason. That 10 to $12 million range – is usually a, like Rodney Hood getting the contract that he got in Portland. It was to make trades happen. So Dylan Brooks has a very tradable contract. Kyle Anderson has a very tradable contract. Justice Winslow has a very tradable contract, but I don't think he's going anywhere for sure. And then no. Melton has a very tradable contract. Allen has at least a, a lesser tradable contract because it's hard to make money match with his small contract. Now, obviously, if you pair him with, so. with Gorgie, then it works. But right. If you're bringing in somebody that has a fat contract that's an expiring and they're going to give you a pick back, you're going to have to package one of Kyle, uh, DeAnthony, or Dylan with Gorgie to get to that 25 to $27 million range to take back somebody that's going to, you know, they're going to give you a young player in return. They're going to give you a draft pick in return for taking him. Um, I don't know. I agree with you that it seems like because Grayson's out of the rotation, it's the easy answer. He's also an expiring contract, isn't he? Who, Grayson? Yeah, Grayson's – I think he has a team option maybe after this year. But, I mean, I think he only has this year left before the team option. Um, so, if, if I, it's – Dylan's not a, Dylan's not up. DeAnthony just got renewed. Kyle, is, is he an expiring this year or is he next year? See, I thought Kyle was. I'm, I'm getting all these contracts confused. <laughs> Let's I'm having to look see. him up now. Yeah, I'm going to pull him up too. Um, let's see, Grizzlies. Shout out to Basketball Reference, by the way, for having the easiest website to navigate. All right. Coming off the books this year, it's only Gorgie. Um, okay. Kyle Anderson has next year on the books for 9.9. Grayson has next year on the books for four. Um, our team options are Winslow next year. Jaw, you know, his contract starts going in two years. Um, BC starts going in two years. Desmond Bain starts going in two years because he's a second-round pick. And then Tillman, Tillman has a uh, fourth-year option as well. So, let's see the notes on Grayson's contract. Um, his 2021-22 team option was picked up on December 16th of 2020. I missed that. Okay, so... I don't remember seeing that. What, it was... When you say it was December 22nd? December 16th. December 16th. I don't remember that either. I think, wasn't that like the deadline or something for teams to pick up those... Had to have been because Brandon Clark's option was exercised on that day too. So was Jaron Jackson's. Yeah. Um, Jaws' team option was exercised that day. 
yeah, that had to have been what it was. So I remember seeing, I just remember Grayson being part of that. I just remember that there was a deadline to where they had to figure out if they were going to pick up options or not. And I don't remember Grayson being part of that, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. So um, I guess if you want to entice another team, I guess you would have to dangle uh, Dylan out there. Well, and that's the thing, like these this these teams that that Shams is is hinting at are they are they just interested in Gorgie? Um and could it be someone like the Knicks that has some cap space and has a need for a backup center that's because I mean they're making the playoffs this year um, and I think yeah. Gorgie would would be a good fit to play for Tibbs again um, and I, I think and he's fresh. I mean yeah. with what the minutes that Tibbs plays his guys. You get some fresh legs in there with Gordy. He hadn't played that much. It'd be a welcome addition. Right. And I think teams like both LA teams, um, Utah could use him as a backup. Uh, the Nets could definitely use him, his ability to stretch the floor, but also rebound and, and block some shots. Um, the Raptors could use him because um, Boucher is fragile at times. Um, I think there's there's a lot of contenders that could really use – somebody like him uh, because he because he can do it all he can spread the floor he can score in the paint he can block shots and he can rebound like he just isn't a part of the group's future so there's no point of him playing over Tillman at all right so I don't know I think I'm settling on Corgi's going to be the only guy that's gone at the deadline I don't don't think we're going to get rid of a wing um, unless some crazy package comes our way um, that and that crazy package, I think, w- would be either Kyle or Dylan included uh, for a contender that needs some defense, um, which would be a team like um, I think the Raptors would be a good fit for both DB and Gorgie or Kyle. Like any of those three, those they'd fit well in Toronto. I think Boston could use Gorgie as well. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of options that make sense for, for all of them. I did not know that Dakari Johnson is still on the books with the wave provision, the stretch provision. No. He's on the books this year. Marco Guterich is on the books this year. And Dion Waiters, $12.6 million is on the books. Dion Waiters. The first basketball island of all time, Waiters Island. Jeez, what's <laughs> right. he do? What's he doing now? He is—he's on somebody's roster. I don't remember who it is. Um, let me see. He's on the Lakers. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so we are recording this prior to the 9 p.m. tip-off um, in Phoenix because there was no way that these two old men were going to be up at 11 o'clock to fill an fill or record a. 45-minute-long podcast. Um, so, Ben, what are you looking for on the second night of a back-to-back, no Justice Winslow against a very, very good Phoenix team? Uh, I'm looking for – I mean, you got you got a problem in that backcourt. You got to contain Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And I think, you know, without Justice, I mean, Ja can't really I – mean, he's going he's gonna to have his hands full with Chris Paul. Maybe Dylan's going to play 30-plus minutes tonight on, on Devin Booker. If he does, he's, I feel like he's got to hold him under 20 points. Has he's got to hold Devin. Yeah. 
earn your 30. You hold him under 20, I'll, I'll shut up. I won't say a word. I mean, do you think uh, Ja will be on uh, Chris Paul? Let's see. So they start Chris, Devin, Michael Bridges, Cam. No, they start Frank the Tank now, don't they? Kaminsky and um, and Aiden. They got away from Cam Johnson, and last time we played them, it was Frank the Tank. Let's see, they might have their lineups already out. I mean, I know that the Grizzlies they're starting Desmond Bain again, so it looks like officially, you know, the uh, <laughs> Grayson Allen is for sure out of the starting lineup. Uh, here we go. Bridges, Jay Crowder's getting the start. Crowder's getting the start. All right, so um, you can imagine that either Chris Paul or Jay Crowder is going to be on jaw, um, two good defenders. Even Michael Bridges is a, is a stud defender as well. Desmond Bain is going to have to guard Bridges or yeah. Crowder. Um, I think he's he going to guard Bridges. Yeah. Uh, depends on if you put Kyle on uh, Chris so Paul. You could put Kyle on Chris Paul. Um, and then let Bain slide down to Crowder and Jaw can hide on Bridges. Or he can even hide on Crowder. You can hide Jaw on one of them. But I haven't really seen a whole lot of them hiding Jaw on anybody. No. They they let I, him get worked. I mean, maybe they'll just let him get worked by Chris Paul. I don't know. Um, well, if you just – you had the mindset of, all right, we're not going to let Booker beat us tonight. You know, Chris Paul's going to do what Chris Paul does and hit a thousand elbow mid range shots um, <laughs> and draw some fouls. You hold him, you, you limit what, what Aiton does with Valanciunas and Tillman, um, and don't let somebody like Jay Crowder have an uh, anti Joe Molinax night and just go crazy from three. I think you got to start off the game throwing it into Jonas and see if you can get Aiton in foul trouble. Oh, yeah. I think you have to do off the right, right from the get go. I know that. Uh, we already discussed how it feels like when it when we think they should go to Jonas, they go away from him. But I think that's what you have to do immediately. Go right at Aiden. Yeah, and I want to see DB just piss off Devin Booker from the start. Like, I want him up in his grill from the start. Just don't ever even let him get a chance of getting in a rhythm. Um, and then if he does that, if, if, if Dylan Brooks holds him to under 20 points tonight, I will say something positive about him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and if and if what if uh what if he shoots twenty five shots and Booker goes for thirty? Oh, I will be <laughs> insufferable. <laughs> I don't see that happening, but I think but Booker's one of those players that like if Brooks gets up in him early, he'll get frustrated and he could end up picking up a tech or something because he will get angry. Yeah, Booker. Booker's soft, man. He he's he is not somebody that's like he didn't have that killer mentality yet. Like he's got to be able to find that, and maybe it's something Chris Paul will help him, you know, figure out through the season. But feels like Blake. He did that with Blake Griffin. I mean, I'll be honest. I think Blake Griffin was a little softer than he was when he left uh, the Clippers because of Chris Paul. Right. It's going to be a tough one. I saw Fast Break Breakfast post the uh, the last twenty games, the best records, and Phoenix has the best record. At, I think sixteen and four. Um, th- that's not a surprise. This team is deep. Um, they're good. They are well coached, um, and they're going to be a problem. Uh, so uh, we need to see. The word that Jenkins used for last night was a lack of focus. So obviously, you want to see focus tonight. 
see if they come out with some intensity early. Just like OKC, they got smacked the night before. Um, they came out with more energy. Maybe because we got smacked last night, we'll come out with some more energy because if you're really chasing the playoffs, you headed into this two-game back-to-back set expecting to split. Well, now you're going to have to fight to make that yeah. split happen. Um, so hopefully they're able to do that. Um, we'll see what Grayson Allen's getting. You know, what happens if Grayson goes off tonight? I mean, you're not going to sit Winslow when he comes back. So right. what if what if Melton and Grayson and DB, all three, just have efficient – all of them score, you know, 12 to 15 points? Like, what do you do? Uh, you got to figure out a way to get them all in. I mean, that's – I don't know. I mean, chances are the Grizzlies win if that happens. And they're going to need a win. I mean, their next four games after this, they are at home, but they t- face Miami. And they got two against Golden State and then Boston. I'll tell you what to do. You don't give Dylan 30 freaking minutes. <laughs> you split them up, man. It'll be – it's a wonder what Grayson and DeAnthony have to do to get minutes – both of them get decent enough minutes to pull away from them. I guess one of them just got to keep getting hurt. We just need one of them to keep going, you know, having to go on the injury report for four or five days, let the other one go off for four or five days, and we just rotate on the rest of the season. And if you're Desmond Bain, you're playing through as many injuries as you can so you don't lose your starting spot. <laughs> uh, and you would think, like, he didn't play so great last night. So you're like, all right, let's see what Grayson's got. Let's get him back out there. You know, you know, Bain is – not helping us too much, and they didn't do it. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Especially keep this, I mean, that would be what you would do. You would just throw Grayson on Chris Paul if you needed to, or or Brooks on Paul and Grayson on Booker. Oh, but, I guarantee you, Grayson would piss off Chris Paul real real quick. Yeah, Chris Paul might look <laughs> yeah, at Grayson Allen and be pissed off. Yeah, so I that is under why he's. I guess he's just going with. I don't know what Taylor Jenkins is doing with his lineups. I, I can't guess. It felt like he was making progress and playing with the hot hand, which was now it's regressing with comfortability. Yeah, I, I remember I was so thrilled early with Jenkins at how much better he was with lineups than J.B. Bickerstaff ever was. And now he's just got some J.B. Bickerstaff type stuff coming out. Like it, it don't make any sense. And I don't know if this is too much of analytic stuff. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I, 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 part of it makes me feel like you know, back when I was in in grade school, like the coaches would make the starting lineups of each quarter before the game started, and that's what they're going with no matter what. That's what it kind of feels like right now. It's like I have these five that are going to be playing at the start of the fourth quarter, no matter what, and that's what we're going out at with. And you got to make adjustments. I'll, I'm going to wait to hit the panning button until he goes five in, five out. The minute he does that, <laughs> we've got a problem. <laughs> you got that hockey line change. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Anything you want to throw in there before we hop off and go watch this game? Uh, a couple things real quick. Uh, congratulations to you. Uh, I'm going to get you in the playoffs. Uh, in the <laughs> still not getting John Morant or Luca. Uh, I'm still in first place, so I don't need him. Oh, now you don't need them. And then uh, <laughs> we'll say welcome back to uh, Jarvis Greer, uh, WNC yeah. Channel 5. He came back uh, on the air today. He uh, he beat cancer, which is awesome to hear. And 
you know, he's a, he's a fixture in Memphis sports. He is Memphis sports and uh, it's good to see him back on the TV. For sure. Glad to have him back. All right. Um, are you betting the bear tonight? Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't bet on the bear recently. I'm, I'm saving all my money for, uh, to lose during this NCAA tournament. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were saving it for Top Shot, man. No, I'm already done with Top Shot. I tried three times to get in, and I don't get past 77,000 in line. No. And then I try to, you know, I look at the other pack. They're like, well, you can't get this pack because you don't own any cards. I'm like, I don't own any cards because you put me at 77,000 and then 93,000. You can't go backwards. 77, I know. So, no, no. <laughs> to lose on this tournament oh my first attempt i was seventeen thousand in line i waited in line for like an hour and a half i got devin booker zach levine and i don't even remember who the third one was that's how insignificant they were to me but i'm gonna try to sell these these three cards to make enough money if i can buy a couple more packs and just keep doing that until i get one that i just love or i get one that like hits the jackpot right so, I mean, I understand doing it. I understand what everybody's doing it, but I'm just, I'm out. Like, I just, it's one of those things you like, you're so excited, you're so excited, and then they're just like, no. It's like you're going to a theme park. You have to be this tall to ride this ride, and you're a couple inches shorter, but that's all you wanted to do. And now it's, I'm not doing it again. Done. <laughs> oh, Ben. <laughs> I know. It, it's, I'm being salty. But then you, you look on Twitter, and everybody else got a pack. And I struck out three times. Everybody got it the first time, the first day. All my friends, they all got a pack. I couldn't get it three days in a row. Oh, man. All right. I got one friend that texts me all the time. Hey, man, I just got this Top Shot pack. He just sends me. He gets so many. He gets all of them. He gets all the Top Shot packs. I'm like, I can't get one. Well, save your money for an by tournament. We'll talk, we'll talk bracket stuff next week. Um, Fill out your GBB live or your Grizzly Bear Blues bracket if you want to join us. Um, I believe they posted the link on Twitter. Um, yep. Well, they'll, they'll probably repost it a couple of times, get your brackets in. Um, I've got Gonzaga going all the way. What do you think? Uh, I like that pick. That's a, that's a bold pick right there. <laughs> well, my, my team got snubbed, so I'm pissed. Oh, well, you can go for that orange and white there, uh, five seed Tennessee Vols. And know. First round upset. <laughs> All right, man. Let's go watch this game. Uh, All right. This has been another episode of Three With Me Podcast. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Make sure you check out last week's episode with Rob Fisher as well. Until next time. <laughs>